not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. Hello and welcome to Antmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. This is Antmoot number 74 and I can't wait to get cracking. This one is a different one because we're going to Entmoot's first, I think, team event. Uh, so I guess we've been to Ardicon a few times, which has a kind of team format. and But this one is very specifically a team event. Now, what does that mean? Well, it basically means um, that there are four people on your team with four different army lists and you're playing singles games so i won't be sort of playing doubles um i won't be interviewing my partners about uh, you know what half of the list they're bringing and how they've let me down like i usually do with some of my doubles partners not um, i'm looking at you michael i'm just kidding um so no this time it's about how other team members essentially support each other in a new format well i think it's new it's vaguely uh, based on uh, something called the etc uh, and uh, which is now called the wtc which is a team championship um and it's being held at warhammer world itself so i'm really excited about this i've got some friends from scotland coming down and uh, essentially we've been messaging each other we've been uh, chatting about our lists about what we can bring or what the balance is and how how we might be able to fine-tune each other's lists and and um you know just generally how we might strategize about how the whole format works so all in all very excited uh, for this event it's something completely different so i guess with that in mind we need to build an army let's get so we're nearing the end of our time uh, building armies about Numenor um uh, it's been a long-running sort of theme over the last few podcasts. There's still going to be the Slow Grow episode about uh, pure green uh, Numenor. But uh, basically, I've started building the Rivendell portion of my uh, my force. And I'm really excited about it because I've never really used Rivendell. I've certainly never used some of the heroes, um, or one of the heroes anyway, that I'm going to be running in this tournament. So, so really excited about this one. Um, and it's at 800 points which is generally, I think, quite a good um, sort of points value for for uh, Numenor, Rivendell kind of list. You know, you get you get a good num- uh, number of models, but you also get a, a decent selection of heroes. So you're not sort of desperately trying to get a captain in there or a sort of minor hero. So uh, it feels like, you know, this is pretty solid stuff. So I'm going to have to start um, with my Numenor contingent. Um, and I'm going to start with Isildur on horse with the Ring of Power. So um, it's a solid solid start fight six hero he's got a ring he's actually also very high up the ring agenda um there's a special rule about the ring if there are two rings on the field um the one who is higher up this sort of tally gets the ring and the other ones don't so uh Isildur is second on that Sauron's number one so it's it's pretty cool uh, so you know if someone's brought Bilbo or the Gollum or something like that um they can uh, they can shove it because I get the ring, <laughs> which is cool. So that's cool. A sealed or on horse. Obviously, if I put the ring on, um, halving fight value, but I have to jump off the horse to do that. So, um, but in the meantime, he's still a five six hero who's strength five and strike. He's not historically been amazing with me, so I'm hoping he recovers some of his uh, uh, you know, I guess pride um, in this tournament here because on paper he looks fantastic. He's just never worked for me. Strength five hero, a strike and fight six. 
he should be doing doing the biz but he's not um often for me so three might two fate two will um and resistant to magic inbuilt and providing a six inch bubble for uh, numenorians in his warband we have warriors of numenor times 14 um one of them has got a banner shield and a spear 10 of them have got shield and spear and uh, three of them have bows and spears so um going for the full spear option which i've talked about in previous um episodes so solid um and very uh, sort of flexible with the extra spears uh, including bows uh, then uh, carrying on with the numenorian contingent we've got a captain of numenor with a horse a lance heavy armor and a shield five warriors of numenor with shield and spear uh, two warriors of numenor with bow and spear so a much smaller uh, warband but you'll see why in a sec um but still you know lots of spears good we like that high strength dudes fight for all solid stuff finally the leader's warband is gonna be elrond with horse and heavy armor uh, with him he's got nine elf, elf warriors he's got a shield that who've got spears and war, uh, and shields and then two elf warriors with bows and um two rivendell knights with shields so um here we've got an awful lot of um spears for stars which is great we've got the strength four we've got the fight four and the fight five spear guys uh we've got some mobility with the rivendell knights and of course uh, the captain with his march which can be useful potentially if i ever use a point of might on a march if i get to seize the prize i will if i don't get to seize the prize i probably won't um but either way it's certainly intriguing um elrond now I, I had a conversation with Tim uh, of this podcast occasionally um, who sort of said, why not Glorfindel? Glorfindel um, has a lot more resistance to magic. He's pretty much the same price. Um, you know, he's higher fight and various other different uh, things. And basically, I just wanted to try Elrond. Like, I just wanted to give him a go. He's, he's a couple more points. He's got the magic. Um, he's a hero of legend, so he can... Uh, have slightly more troops but that i'm not that's not affecting here because i'm filled out my warband but there's just something i wanted to paint elrond the plastic elrond uh, new model fantastic model looks really really nice and as apart from being a fiddly as all hell to put together because the tiny faces um i'm really happy with him uh, I, I think i'm I, I think i mentioned this in my entmoot live stream uh, a while back that um it was yeah, I think it's just something about this model that that I really enjoyed painting, and it kind of it just did me did me uh, a favour in, in terms of my painting. It made it relatively straightforward, but a little bit fiddly because it's quite a detailed model. But I just I wanted to have a go. I mean, he's got magic. He's got the uh, Wrath of Brunum, which makes people sit down and does some damage to them, uh, which could be really helpful. Maybe maybe if we get to go against some cavalry armies, and I'll talk about the format in a second, which might mean that's more likely. Um, and also, just you know, hero legend, he's got rerollable fate three re-rollable fates he's my leader i feel like he's no slouch if he's you know having to do kill tallies or anything like that in contest but also he's he's pretty resilient like a defense seven with three fate re-rollable fate is pretty solid not quite i, I mean i kind of think i'd prefer the defense eight maybe would i i don't know probably not from Elrond um, or, or a sealed or they've got the defense eight, but defense seven so often fine, isn't it? I mean, the only thing I'm scared of is strength five people, which I mean, you don't come up against them very often. So I'm quite happy with him. So with that in mind, uh, that's my that's my army. Um, we'll talk about 
my teammates' armies because that is relevant. Um, not now, but uh, later on, because I'll be speaking to uh, Jeremy, the team captain. Jeremy Wong, he's the team captain uh, for this event. But essentially, I'm going to have to read the rules out. And I know this can be a little bit boring, but I'm going to read out some of the, the rules. Because the way the format works, if you don't understand it, it, it can make everything a little bit more complicated. So what happens is um, you have four people on your team and you sort of put... You choose players to potentially uh, be your vanguard player. So I'll, I'll read out the rules. This is how it all works. This is a step, step-by-step step guide for your for- team uh, formats. So, number one, both teams secretly nominate one player on their team to put forward. This person will be the vanguard player. Both teams are happy with their vanguard player selection. They will reveal their choice simultaneously. So you've, you've got to select an army from your team. And bearing in mind for this tournament, two of them are good and two of them are evil. Although it could be good versus good and evil versus evil. So we've done that. We've put our team members forward. Say I get chosen to put, be put forward. They've also chosen someone else. Then, secondly, once, once we know uh, they've been unveiled. So we know what the army list is um, of the opponent's vanguard player. And they know what ours is. We then have to choose two of our players to put forward against that vanguard player. So say, for example, the opponent has Smaug and something else because it's 800 points. We know that we've got to play Smaug with one of the next two armies that we put forward. So we have to be careful and think, right, okay, what can beat Smaug? Is it going to be Hobbits or is it going to be our, I don't know, um, half-troll army? Okay, something like that. So... um, and but also we have so therefore we've got two, two armies we're putting forward that we think have a you know one of them's going to have to face the smaug um and then uh, the the remaining person on the team becomes a reserve player so that's the fourth player that we haven't yet mentioned and once both teams are happy we we reveal our choices and the vanguard player then so the one we put forward so that's the smaug gets to choose which of the two opposing battle line players they want to play against so say we've put half trolls and hobbits forward Smaug goes, I'm going to fight the hobbits because they can't wound me. Or, or maybe they could stun me or whatever. I don't know. But um, that's that's their choice. And then the other player, so that in this example, the hobbits uh, have to play uh, Smaug, which was this stupid decision on our team's behalf. Uh, the half-trolls then have to play the vanguard player on the my team, which would be me, my army. So, so that's how it sort of works. I hope I'm explaining this okay. So the Vanguard player then chooses one of the opposing battle line players they want to play against, which will establish the first two matchups. And then finally, the reserve player will be matched up against the battle line player on the opposing team that Smaug didn't choose, essentially. So what all this means, in a nutshell, is you kind of can a little bit predict and strategize to what army your opponent is going to be facing and what army, therefore, you're um, going to be playing against. Because... You want to vaguely protect some armies and you want to vaguely throw a, an army under the bus. So say, for example, you've got a Smaug, you know that it's going to lose a lot of scenarios. So you might might sort of end up throwing it under the bus in some scenarios. Or, or you might try and get it into a smaller army, um, I don't know, a smaller army in a, a contest of champions, not a contest of champions, in a like a capture and control type situation because it might have a better chance of uh, killing said smaller army uh, and winning an objective game but it wouldn't it certainly wouldn't want to win the hobbit army uh, in a conject- con- objective game but it would in lords of battle for example so there's lots of stuff like this that you can do so with that in mind we kind of have chosen some army lists that may we, we think that might kind of present a bit of a, a tactical decision uh, we might have some armies that are a bit more of all rounders and we might have some armies 
that um that you know that that maybe a little bit more of a kind of ah, let's just go for it kind of job so that we throw it under the bus a bit every so often so that's the kind of format of this tournament and and I, i'm not going to be talking to the um all of the players in the team um but we will get uh, jeremy wong's updates uh, over the course of the team to get a bit of a sense of the strategy involved and and why I'm ending up playing who I'm playing up in a couple of rounds if I possibly can. So really interesting uh, format. Really like the idea and the potential of this. So uh, we'll bring you to the tables later on in this Warhammer World Team Championship. But first, it's time to delve into the inbox. Questions. Questions that need answering. Yes, that's right. This is the questions that need answering. So uh, in the previous podcast, I'm trying to think, uh, it might have been a couple of episodes ago, we started talking about the Warhammer Fest announcement. So I'm going to click tidy up uh, the remaining answers for those latecomers. And then we'll set a new question uh, that I need answering. So a new topic for you to get involved in. Um, so let's delve into the email inbox. Uh, essentially, this was just about whether people are happy with dioramas as uh, the announcement or whether they want a little bit more and maybe what direction we'd like GW to take in terms of its releases. So, uh, who's this? David Leonard. David Leonard. Hi, Dave. Uh, Hi, Harry. Greetings and congratulations on surviving your camping adventure. Yeah, that was... um that was quite a, quite a trek. Uh, if you haven't seen that, head over to Battle Games in Middle Earth on YouTube uh, to have a look at what went on there in the cold. Now it's it's kind of summer. I feel it, it's a little incongruous, but uh, it's certainly interesting and certainly makes you feel nice and toasty and warm uh, if you watch something like that right now. So uh, do check it out. Uh, just weighing in on the question that needs answering. Overall, I'm happy with the current state of releases. I've seen more communities killed by over-releasing than under-releasing. So I'm always a fan of the slow and steady approach. I typed out a number of anecdotes that expanded on this, but they're all just far too long. Just pretend they were funny and convincing. Excellent idea. Returning to MESBG, a lot of the anger in my area is not about the rate of releases, but on what they're choosing to release. There's nothing wrong with a diorama, but if your team only has the capacity for a single release, make it something we can at least use. If I could wishlist releases, I'd ask for the Dunland treatment on more armies. I think everything, uh, everyone should have a warrior, elite warrior, cavalry warrior, and two ways to run their heroes. This could be an interesting unnamed hero or having different builds within their named heroes like ring and no ring numenor to me this would be the most effective way to make the use of the one plastic hero and two resin packs per cycle that seems to be the mesbg ration i also had a rant about the osgiliath box set but mostly it only applied to australia so i'll let you get back to your episode thanks david i feel like i might have read that before but either way it's a really a uh, coherent answer so david leonard thank you very much for your email albert fraval uh, also an Australian, I believe, from memory. <laughs> I, I know it is. Um, hi, Harry. The hour is late and this may not feature on an episode, but here are my two cents in a non-essay format about the Warhammer World uh, Warhammer Fest releases. I was at first disappointed with the Warhammer Fest reveal. I love Diorama and they are a core part of the MESBG range and have always and have always have been, sorry, but I, like many, wanted more. Having listened to a recent North of the Shire episode, I agree with their thoughts that the whole lack of content was due to licensing issues with the license recently changing hands. Listen to that podcast for more details. Um, I don't know what the North of the Shire are talking about in terms of licensing issues, but um, licensing hasn't changed for uh, toy soldiers. Um, licensing is still... Uh, is still handled as as far as i'm aware i may be completely wrong um the license we still is still currently active for games workshop it's i don't think anything has changed there but maybe wrong maybe wrong um maybe i, I might have to listen to north of shire episode to see if they're completely off the mark there but um as i understand the license that changed hands recently was more to do with uh, video games 
but it may be wrong. Uh, but no one appears. To, what no one appears to be talking about is the fact that both this diorama and the Amon head sculpt were most likely intended for release as part of the 20th anniversary celebrations of the Fellowship of the Ring, alongside the Amon Hen forge wheeled uh, set. My pure speculation is these pieces missed their release window due to COVID production constraints, and as were designed and most likely approved by external license holders prior to the new licensing agreement, GW were still able to release them. My hope for the game is uh, very similar to everyone else that has written in, so I won't rehash old ground. Keep up the great work. I really love the new questions that need answers segment. Yeah, so uh, I'm, maybe I need to know more about the um, the licensing thing. I might actually have to ask one of the um, people about that, the uh, Warhammer World, uh, the actual MESPG team. Uh, they won't actually talk about it as an interview format, but background, deep background, I might be able to get something out of one of them. Uh, interesting, though. Um, uh, I, I, as I say, I, I like the diorama. I think I said last time. Just hope there's something else. It's not a great advert for it, but brilliant. Anyway, here we go. Let's let's get another question that needs answering. Howdy, Harry. This is from Alex Mack. I've been current. Uh, I've been thoroughly enjoying your podcast since I found it, courtesy of Alex Battle Camper Video. When you enjoyed the cold in the name of gaming. Well, I'm glad that Battle Camp has done something useful and forwarded people to me. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, I, I really do appreciate you uh, listening in, and I'm not surprised that um, uh, that you've, you've, you've... Well, I'm not surprised you've listened to his recommendation because his video content is fantastic. I would recommend it to everyone. In regard to what I would like to see from GW, says Alex Mack, I am a bit conflicted. In some ways, I'd like them to just maintain an, an FAQ team and keep support for the game in that way. I think the team is in a good place now, and I don't want it to get the 40k treatment of constant meta-breaking updates. On the other hand, I'd like to see more modularity in the scene. I remember back in the day when you could buy just an eye, a high elf shield individually. Being able to buy heads or shields or an individual model would be nice. Might be a way for GW to compete with 3D printing without just becoming 3D printers themselves and having something like a Warriors of Gondor and Arna box with enough heads and shields to make either would be really cool. Finally, I would love for GW to make minis for some of the profiles that have existed or have been mentioned, some uh, some of them for years. For instance, Corsair Reavers, Anarion, Kaya Simu Ravager. Not, I've no idea what that is. What the hell's a Kai Simu Ravager? Uh, anyway, uh, Kai Simu Ravager of a Vasil- Is this like an autocorrect? What the hell is that? Uh, anyway, Ravager of Athelion, Runish Wardrakes, Quickbeam. I mean, all of those have been mentioned. What the hell is Kai Simu? Can you let me know, please, uh, Alex? Because I've never heard anyone mention that in my life. Kai Simu, Ravager of Athelion. Maybe it's something um, from the books, but I don't know. Anyway, I've never heard anyone mention it before. Um, there was, although now I think about it, there was like a Candish leader. Maybe it was him. Um, while I love converted models and fine with 3D prints, it would be nice to have a finished range. Thanks for putting in the time and effort to run the podcast. Very respectfully, Alexander Mack. Very respectfully, he says. Thanks very much, Alex. Um, yeah, I, I, I think... It, I don't really understand um, why they haven't sort of... Why they've ever really done profiles that they don't have models for. It seems weird for me to have a company that makes rules and models and then makes rules for models that don't exist or mentions rules for models that don't exist like an Arion. So, uh, yeah, it's all weird. Um, I assume that there there was always an intention to make said model when said thing was written in a book. And then maybe it's financial pressures, maybe it's time pressures, maybe it's some other reason. You know, for example, if I think like the things like the Gundabad catapult troll and stuff like that, um, they were sort of 
written in a book many years ago and then other things were released and then Hobbit didn't do that well so maybe it just got shelved um, and they never wanted to do it because it's just too expensive to make it and based on the return from previous things it's just not financially viable which I can understand uh, it's a shame I would love to see a catapult troll but realistically are they going to sell enough to make it worth it I don't know I don't know so interesting but I appreciate your comment Alex that is fantastic and thanks very much for getting in touch let me know what Kaisamu the Ravager of Athelion is um, if, it, if I'm right in thinking it's the Candish King where where is that mentioned is that that's not it's certainly not in the new rules is it i don't know anyway let me know i'm intrigued um well there you go so that's the 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 sort of um the line on the 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 most recent question that needed answering so we've got to set a new question that needs answering so what i'm going to do uh and this is it's very vague it's very vague um but i kind of hope that you'll get get on board with it i'm coming to the end of my numenor cycle next episode will be the last for a while um not this one but the next one um will be the uh, the last in a while where i talk about uh exclusively numenor and rivendell and um largely it's because i'm just a bit bored of it and i feel like i've done as well as i kind of think i I likely could uh, although obviously this episode notwithstanding um we we have no idea what will happen now but and i think i've 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 exhausted the excitement uh, out of it and I kind of want to ask when you have exhausted an army you've got bored of an army maybe you're looking for a new project to paint because you've painted everything in your current army what do you look for to start your next one what is the inspiration is it hobbying is it something you've always wanted to paint so for example for me painting the uh, uh elrond I, I wanted to do that i always wanted to paint the uh the sort of last alliance soldiers as they marched up the uh, plains of gorgoroth and that opening scene of the fellowship of the ring i've done that now what do i do next um so let me know let me know because i'm intrigued it all obviously there'll be some of you who are thinking well what i do is i i you know think of something that i'd like to play with as a game i like a particular special rule i like a character from the films or the books or i like a rule that particularly reflects that well maybe for for example you really like how ring wraiths work so you'd like to build it around a ring wraith maybe you want something meta competitive or maybe you just like something that's that's got a cool idea behind it or a funny theme let me know what is your defining characteristic what makes you choose your next army uh, i have some answers and some reasons for what i think i may end up starting despite an initial plan that was different so i'd be really really interested to know what gets you moving on to your next project um or maybe some what what distracts you from the current one onto something new is it the meta is it a, a new model release that we want to paint let me know entmootpodcast at gmail.com that's entmootpodcast at gmail.com it should be fairly straightforward i'll put the uh, email address in the comments uh, or in the sort of show notes or whatever you call it uh, on soundcloud so i think that translates across to uh, itunes and every other place but entmoot podcast fairly straightforward that's the name of the podcast it's called entmoot it's a podcast at gmail.com because gmail is i think the shortest name that you could come up with maybe live is at live anyway at gmail.com entmoot podcast at gmail.com what gets you started on your next army hobby gaming model maybe what's distracting you from your current project at the moment and is causing you to change uh, change strategy let me know uh, and I'd love to have your comments and we'll read some of them out in the next podcast at mootpodcast at gmail.com. Now, with that in mind, 
it feels like we best go on an adventure to Warhammer World. Huzzah! It's really exciting. We've got the team championships. Uh, I, I, I don't know how it's going to work in terms of talking to a winner. We probably won't. Uh, we might just have a lot of cool interviews with people we play over the course of the weekend. And we'll hear from Jeremy Wong, who is my team captain for the imps, that's me, because I'm from Lincoln, of Kazad Dundee, because they're all from Dundee. It's going to be spiffing. Let's go on an adventure. So uh, well, let's talk to team captain uh, Jeremy Wong uh, before we get cracking. The imps of Kazadum D. Very good, because you, obviously you guys are up from Dundee in Scotland. I'm the imp from Lincoln. Uh, we've got uh, you as team captain. Um, so b- for people who don't know how team championships work, just give us a general overview of h- how actually does this work. So I've mentioned my army list. Um, what actually happens when we meet another team of four players? So we get our four armies, and then there's, in essence, three different positions. We have one army that goes out as a vanguard. That's our protected player that will then be able to choose two players that they eventually put out. And then those two players go out, and we have a gist of an idea of, right, our top army and our last army will be playing those players. And then our last army chooses one of the last remaining armies after the first player chooses the middle players. Yeah, so it's it's all it's kind of a bit of toing and froing. We kind of try and slightly protect armies, but also we try and try and choose vaguely favorable matchups yeah. but obviously they also the opposing team also gets to do the same exactly. so it's it, it's a bit of a, a coin flip as to whether it really lands right for us i guess absolutely yeah i think there's a lot of potential ways they can plan out their strategy and i think that's actually half the battle is getting that great matchup and unfortunately i think someone will be thrown under the bus <laughs> it's true and so with that in mind just give us a vague idea of uh, our four armies because i've spoken about mine already in the podcast so uh, jeremy you're you're the captain what have you brought i've brought the uh, glass cannon called azog and bog with berserkers and warbats so yeah i will run in and i will smash your face yeah so there's 27 models there's four warbats uh, a banner and another couple of gundabad warriors like four gundabad warriors but mainly it's six Gundabad Berserkers, uh, sorry, 16 Gundabad Berserkers. So that's that hits like a truck. It hits like a truck. I think our strategy is keep that away from any shooting armies, and I will deal with their big heavy heater hitters. Absolutely. Uh, Siraj is also in the team, because uh, we have to do two evil and two good armies, which is worth noting. Uh, Siraj has the Balrog and lots of goblins. So, I mean, he's, he's one that you can pretty much throw against most things, and usually they're okay, right? Absolutely. I think Balrog... You know, we also know him as Balrog Boy, so he's so experienced with it, and he knows how to use his army, and has, just has so many numbers. So against the Horde, he's great. The Balrog is there to just as a, act as an anchor point, and, you know, we can just throw him against anything, and he usually is just quite well-rounded, I think. Yeah, absolutely. He's got 50 models in that list with some Prowlers, uh, sort of three Prowlers in each warband. He's even got a Black Shield Shaman as well, which is cool. Uh, and then Owen as well. Uh, Owen, the other good player, uh, he has Riders of Theoden. Riders of Theoden. Ah, oh, one of my favorite lists. Just, it, 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 again, a small army, you know, 23 models, but it can hit like a truck. It's like a lightning strike. So I think Owen, you know, does a bit of skirmishing and then goes from that big movement tide turn where he just takes that uh, sort of the tide of the battle and just butchers a crap ton of stuff and just is like, well, I have the numbers advantage now. Yeah, exactly. Call that death. Uh, and he's got uh, Theoden Gambling, Dernhelm, Deowine, and Aemir uh, with 23 warriors. Mostly riders of Rohan and, uh, and 
not yet. In fact, there's only one or two Royal Guard in each warband, but still, plenty of warriors, plenty of models, uh, plenty of throwing spears as well, as you say. This is one that I guess it's... It, you can really favourably choose your, your matchups, especially in sort of manoeuvring scenarios where, you know, it's all about objectives. We can play that uh, quite carefully. So there's a lot of potential in this. And obviously my army, I mean, uh, we did discuss this in the group chat. Um, what, what did you think of it when, when you saw the uh, the mix of Elrond, Isildur and the Captain? I think it's a, you know, a very well-balanced army, has the tools to deal with most things, has a bit of anti-magic, has a bit of hard-hitting power, has a bit of magic itself, actually, to keep the opponents on their toes. And again, calling Elrond, you know, if they have no magic casters, getting in a position where they have infantry block, you've rushed in, calling that wrath, you can just, in essence, floor some guys with your, even all of your captain, your warriors, a few Rimadel knights, and again, if Sildar with the, the ring can just be saying, ah, you're a fight 10 hero. No, you're not. <laughs> exactly, and fight six will beat that. Right, we'll get on with the game, uh, game number one, and we're going to be playing uh, against uh, a bunch of guys that have got a mixture of, there's one army that's got sort of Dol Amroth, Minas Tirith, and Rohan, uh, another one that's got Corsairs of Umbar and Mordor, there's a Gothmog's uh, Legion, and there's also uh, Army of the Dead, sort of King of the Dead Legendary Legion. So we'll see which one we get, and we'll play the game and find out what happens afterwards. Game one of the Warhammer World Team Championships, and uh, we're on table number one, or sort of four tables number one, uh, and it's uh, it's exciting. We'll, we'll obviously hear in the podcast about all the other guys' uh, uh, armies as well, but first off, we're playing against uh, James Ellis, and James... Um, so the, the, obviously the um, the way this tournament works, you kind of have to get to pick a little bit of uh, who you fight against. Um, did you get a choice in the matter of who, whether you were going to play me and my army and uh, and so on first? Not really. I was sort of the one that was left at the end. Um, but I feel like this was the one I thought I could do better against. Uh, I really did not want to fight the Balrog uh, and definitely did not want to fight Azog. Um, yes. Yeah, fair enough. Because uh, you've got... Um, well, actually, run through your army list for us and then we'll uh, explain why. Uh, yep, sure. Um, I've taken uh, Corsairs of Umbar with um, Dalgamir, Delamir, a bosun, and the Knight of Umbar on a Fell Beast. Uh, and then for a bit of theme, I've allied in Gurits with Samoran and Orcs, meeting them at the pier. Yeah, so get off your, your ships, you, yeah. you whatever it is, you rats. An alternative when there's not a load of um, army that are in there instead. Exactly, yeah. So and so you're up against um, Elrond, Isildur, Captain, Numenorians and Elves. And what, what was it about those guys that you thought you could you could handle? It was more that I think I couldn't handle the others, <laughs> rather than I thought I could yeah, handle fair. this. Um, you had the fight value in a lot of places. Uh, fight five elves, the highest I've got is five on my heroes. Uh, and you're sort of new to the bit of my fight four. Um, but honestly, the throwing daggers worked really nicely for me. Yeah, especially um, against Numenorians, yeah, uh, defense yeah. five. Yeah, hit, uh, winning them on fives. I think I, I must have taken out probably ten with throwing daggers. It was it was pretty toasty. Uh, we were playing Breakthrough, so that's the one where there's like a diamond of objectives. Uh, the one closest to your board edge is worth only a point to you, but worth four to your opponent, and vice versa for the one furthest uh, away from you. So I'm trying to break through to get to um, to get to James's uh, further objective. I deployed pretty much on the line. Uh, you put you dropped your Knight of Umdar down first. I thought I could I could maybe just uh, just hold the line, charge through. I kept some bows in the back to protect my uh, rear objective, uh, and then it was it was kind of down to relying on who got the kills. And I thought here my advantage, uh, as you pointed out, the fight value uh, being five. Uh, I've got some heroes which are much better than yours. I thought I'd chop through a load of the um, uh, the, the corsairs in the first turn, 
and then you know I'm, I'm, I'm sort of I thought then I'd be I'd be winning it didn't really work out for that I lost the first roll off uh, you lost the first roll off and I, I pr pretty quickly took most of your horses mm. um, which really stopped I mean Elrond basically he was killing one orca turn I don't think he did any more than that yeah um, it was a disaster I mean I think his second combat he rolled a triple one or something and he lost his horse in the in the fight uh, and then the captain did a similar thing he lost a uh, lost a combat on a very poor roll uh, and he lost his horse as well but of course you'd won the roll off so you got to charge me so you'd neutered some of my charge attack you killed one of the riders pretty quickly as well or one of the horses from the elves pretty quickly yeah. and as you say you killed probably five or something like that maybe six Numenoreans in the first turn including an elf as well so we were, it was we were quite even on kills for yeah. quite a while but I've, I've got six more models than you so each one even isn't actually yeah. even um, and especially when you're neutering my heroes they're not yeah. as well I mean Isildur was doing some work Isildur's flank I was vast outnumbered and uh, the reinforcements arrived just in time and then it sort of collapsed for you on that flank. Yeah. Um, but for a while it was looking dicey there yeah. before I bought in, in some reinforcements. I, I was quite actually, it was one of those games where I'm, I did, I, I, I'm going to bemoan the dice and the roll-offs and all that sort of stuff because this, this one, it did feel a little bit uh, one-sided in terms of like the, especially the heroic move-offs because I needed at least one or two of those move-offs because I never got a charge with the, the uh, Rivendell Knights. I never got a charge with Elrond or uh, Isildur, uh, sorry, uh, or the captain yeah, in the middle. Uh, Isildur did a heroic combat, yeah. and that was your only cavalry Cavern bonus charge. for the entire yeah. game. And then he lost that combat as yeah, well. He, he, he it, charged yeah. into someone and, and, and script, lost his horse. Yeah. yeah, and lost his horse. So it was it was pretty ridiculous. Um, but I, there were I was always I kept myself in the game. I felt like I did a decent job of thinking. Yeah. Right, okay, I'm going to put apply pressure here. So for example, Isildur made a last minute ditch attempt. He was going to he called a heroic combat which he lost the first combat in a, long, a few turns he was going to move uh, towards the back objective with that heroic combat get away from uh, Delamere uh, sorry Dalamere and uh, some of the Numenorians and then I could have potentially moved on to the final objective instead I lost that one I still managed to move away in the final turn but I'm uh, probably still six inches away from that final objective so I didn't manage to capture uh, breakthrough and get the, the four point objective at the back and um, but there were little things like that that I, I like to think that I did, I did the right thing on. Uh, they just maybe just didn't go this way, um, but maybe most of the time they would. Like So Elrond, uh, in the final turn, he had a good chance to um, do his Wrath of Brunan on everyone and knock uh, about four or five uh, Corsairs down, maybe even kill a couple. Uh, and that, that was like the first roll uh, he did. It's like a two or something like three. No, it was a three. Two a th ones and a three. Yeah, two ones and a three. So... So little things like yeah. that were frustrating. But having said that, like I, I can't, I can't be annoyed too much because while I, I, I feel like I was playing really well and I was, um, you know, maybe, maybe getting the worst side of luck. You also weren't making any mistakes. You were, you were putting the pressure on pretty hard. I, I was trying to. I mean, it really helped that I won. I think every roll off uh, for heroic moves because I've got three more might than you anyway. Yeah. Uh, so forcing you to carry on spending yours on on not combats and not strikes meant that. I could just hold the line uh, and winning them and stopping Elrond from getting Raph if you'd have got Raph off in turn two or three I'd have been in serious trouble yeah um, yeah because those those strength three hits um, or I think it's strength or strength two or whatever they, they on, on uh, something like Corsairs the low defence Corsairs it could have been really really yeah. big trouble and just even just knocking the Moranans down helping myself out uh, in terms of getting some extra kills on the Moranans that, that would have been really really helpful it's a turn you wouldn't have had to have shielded and you could have really pushed me back 
um, it would have hurt. Yeah, it would. Uh, meanwhile, I, I think it's fair to say, my, while my heroes were neuted a bit, uh, your Knight of Umbar was pretty crap as well. I think he spent most of the to yeah. uh, game fighting like one individual Numenorian or elf and then losing every turn to them. Sorry. Wait, did he win a single combat? I don't think so. No. Maybe uh, that's why you were reluctant to do the heroic combat won, at the end. But. He won one combat and hurled. Yes. Every other one he lost. Yeah, and um, he killed two with the hurl, didn't he? Yeah, but he after did, that, yeah. he, he won a combat and then barged uh, and rolled a one so he couldn't yeah. actually kill anyone from it. Uh, and then the very final turn, there was, uh, there was a chance to uh, charge over some terrain into a guy who was sort of contesting my rear objective. And... Um, I saw you, you, you spent four will on the black dart to try and try and kill the guy. And I did say afterwards, you know, maybe, maybe you could have charged him and all right, combated because you but you wanted to leave him in a certain well, place to try and contest or help one of your guys with courage. Yeah. I mean, if I would have done that, A, I'd have had to done the, the courage test on the Moranen, who may well have ran away, probably would have. Uh, and B, uh, he's lost so many combats, yeah. I don't trust him. <laughs> and yeah. to be in combat, I would have had to have been outside of the objective range so I would have yeah, just lost and, it and if, you, if you'd have lost that and it was was it an elf or was it a Numenorian I think it was a Numenorian so he did have the fight value advantage but yeah if, if you'd have lost that uh, thing it would have pushed you away from the objective I'd have claimed that last objective which would have been a three point swing uh, well it would have been a four point swing wouldn't it Cause, no uh, no, two two, because I still contest it so two point yeah. swing which would be enough to well, call I it a draw completely you'd have had one yeah. you'd have got one point I'd have gained one yeah, yeah. so it'd be so a one point swing it would have been a four, four three victory to you uh, no, it would have been a draw, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, no, you're yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'd have lost it. Wow, yeah. So that's massive. Uh, that, so, yeah, I can understand your reluctance to do it. Uh, I, I think on the balance of probabilities, it probably still would have been the right move. Um, but having said that, you've got the objective. Uh, it doesn't really matter, even if it's contest contested. So in the end, um, you just managed to jump onto my uh, objective at the back, which I contested, which gives you two points. You captured the right-hand side objective as you look at it, uh, which is two for you. So that's four in total for you. Uh, and then I captured the leftmost objective for two. So that's four, two. Uh, and we both broke, um, so it was a 5-3 victory to James. Uh, given, a, given a couple more turns, I think uh, uh, Sealdor would be um, seriously threatening that last objective. And crucially, yeah, your, your courage was absolutely diabolical. The one turn that you had to do all the courage checks, because um, I'd won one... Well, actually, I didn't win any moves-offs. It's just you'd run out of might. Yeah, I won priority, and um, in the middle, I just pinned down the heroes, and, like, six guys ran away, so... Maybe, again, if, if I'd have won a move off earlier on uh, and pinned down heroes in the same way, there would be a lot less Numenorians on the field and I would, I would have had a good chance. So, uh, either way, a great game. I think you played it really well. Um, and, and I like to think I did as well, uh, but it came out uh, for a 5-3 victory, which is a minor victory for you, which I think is good for my team because I've got uh, two majors and uh, another win on the team. So, uh, James, uh, thank you so much. Uh, a, a pleasure talking to you and playing the game. Okay, thank you very much. Cheers. It was a great game. Cheers, man. Thank you very much. Game number two of the Warhammer World Team Championships. Uh, we've had some discussions beforehand. There's some very tough uh, opponents in this uh, uh, this pool of, uh, of team that we're playing against. So there's a Fiefdom's Army uh, with Imrahil as the leader. We've got a, a Salt on Lothlorien. There's a, an Urukai list led by Lurts with uh, Golf and um, Thryden in it. And there's Bayorn and the Grim Bayorn uh, clan. And it's Contest of Champions. And I ended up playing Bayorn and Grim Bayorn against Triss. So first of all, Triss, um, uh, before we uh, started... Uh, you seem to sort of suggest you had not really sure about what this team championship kind of uh, put people forward and throw someone under the bus and choose your opponents kind of thing is. You just go, I'm going to roll some dice for Bayon. Is that kind of the gist? Yeah, I'll admit that um, I still don't understand the team uh, pairings at all. But, um, I'm, I'm still a bit shaky on it. But 
yeah, I think uh, it's fun just to play what you get put up against at the end, and I think that's what happened with us. We got put last choice together, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think I think the guys were thinking, well, we'll protect the Balrog um, to make sure that he can he can pretty much choose anything, um, and he didn't want to play the uh, either the assault on La Florian really because the, there's a potential there for the bats to screw him up, and also Bayon. Uh, and his his big uh, his little boy, uh, although not so little boy, Grimbion, um, would probably put the the frighteners into the uh, Balrog. So I ended up taking on um, Grimbion and Bayon, and I think we just discussed. I mean, it, it's quite it's been quite a short game. It's fair to say uh, we discussed it uh, a little bit at the end. That I I think basically, Tris, that I lost this uh, when I deployed my models. It's a difficult one to play, really. I think in terms of deployment, I mean, you can either. All or nothing, almost, with these kind of armies. I don't know if you agree. Um, that initial first turn, it, that's where it all uh, pivots on, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so in the first turn, I, I'd, I'd thought in my head, um, and this was something that, that Jeremy advised, uh, team captain, told me to do this. Uh, he told me to put Elrond um, in front with some troops in front of him and then uh, a sealed door behind him so he can uh, run through with the ring. And um, for some reason, I ignored that advice. And essentially, I... I while deploying, some, there was a, some brain fog came on and basically said, oh, we want to deny Bayon any kills. So I want to uh, give Elrond the chance to kill some dudes first and then, uh, and then you know, maybe we can, uh, uh, Elrond can take on Bayon with the help of a sealed door at some point. So my thought was, put a sealed door in front of Bayon, uh, call the strike, uh, all that sort of stuff, uh, maybe take the ring off and charge him in the first turn, that sort of thing. Uh, and I, I, I didn't really do any of that I didn't counter the heroic move so he got charged by Bayon and Elrond charged into Grimbayon uh, who had come around the side and from there on Tris I mean you can tell us because I, I, I don't really have the heart I think it's very rare that you see a sealed or and Elrond died in the first turn like that um, I mean I'm still in shock really <laughs> I mean I think we said it was a really quick game what four turns maybe yeah. maybe five turns um Isildur and Elrond in the first turn. I think it goes to show how powerful this, these lists are with the Bjornings. Overpowered? Who am I to say that? I, I don't think they are. I think I just played very poorly against it. I mean, if I'd have called the heroic move counter off, I might. I had a half and half chance of getting a Isildur, jump off his horse, put the ring on, and charge Bayon, which would have been massive. Um, and then, I, and then I could have potentially charged uh, Elrond into that fight as well, which could have killed um, uh, Bayon in the first turn. I didn't even give myself the chance. I wouldn't have minded if I'd done that and lost the roll-off because, you know, that's that's a strategy and, you know, it sucks. But um, I didn't give myself that opportunity, which is just stupid. And then charging Grim Bayon was... I don't know what I was thinking. I, 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 I spent one point of will to try and knock over Bayon in the first turn. Why I didn't spend three, I don't know. Um, and, and I charged Grim Bayon. Struck up. He failed to, I, I failed to get up to ten. Uh, Isildur and uh, Bayon did get up to 10 but um, Chris, Chris you won the roll off so it just kind of fell apart a little bit there because after that I mean there, there really was nothing I could really do even if I'd have killed somehow got lucky and killed Bayon I would have been I wouldn't have got the VPs for it you'd have had three so Bayon just needed to kill two more models and then you'd won yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking at the dead pile for the Bionis at the moment, and it, it's one archer, and that that was killed by other archers. I think it, how how they're managing to play this well is is crazy in my eyes. I thought the Elven Blades would be a massive bonus to you. The dice just didn't go in their favour in the day, did they? 
Yeah, I, I guess that's true. I, I, I think that there were there were definitely a, a few combats that I was like, oh, okay, I was expecting to win that. We went had quite a lot of roll-offs uh, for the fight value because you're fight five and I've got the elven support, uh, and I didn't win many of them. And if I did, I wasn't killing anyone. I was just wounding. I was about, I think I wounded about four of the four of the uh, the Bjornings. But uh, either way, um, the final turn did manage to put uh, take a couple of fate points off Grimbion with the captain and some help. Um, after Grimbion had spent a lot of might in the early turns uh, just throughout combating and striking and, and moving. But really, um, I, it, yeah, as I say, this, this, this game was lost in deployment. And, and t- it's, just, it's very frustrating when you forget or ignore people's advice and then you, uh, you end up just playing very poorly and uh, lose it. So it's all my fault, Tris. You played it perfectly. There's nothing that I, can, uh, I could have told you to do differently. I, I don't. I, may, I mean, actually, I think in, there are a couple of times when you you clearly pulled back a bit, knowing that it, there was a, a sort of moment you could have called her at combat, and then you said something like, "Oh, that'd be overkill" or something like that. Which so you could have you could have really really fisted me hard here because there was a turn I think where I could have quartered, and you'd have only you'd have only killed two with uh, yeah, Bayon, yeah. and I was uh, one off breaking or something like that. So I thought, oh, this is not impossible for me to. It's quarter here, but even so, you managed to get the, the full kills. You got the 12-0 major victory, uh, and I'm a massive letdown to my team. But Tris, uh, you were obviously doing really well for your team, so it gives us time to support our friends. Sorry, what did you say there, uh, Harry? So, uh, it gives us time to support our oh, teams. Yes, uh, you've yeah, you've obviously popped them up. Now. Yeah, we yes. can have a break now. Uh, everyone will be happy. Um, as I was saying to you before the game, the uh, the first game of the tournament, I did forget the audience have two wounds, so um, that's on me. I will never live that down, uh, and that will go with me to my grave. <laughs> I think I, I'm never going to uh, live down um, deploying a sealed door right, right in front of Elrond for no good reason at all. Either way, we live and we learn. On to game number three. So we've just finished round two. Uh, I got absolutely fisted by, by the Bay Awnings. Uh, but uh, I'll bring Jeremy back in, team captain, just to give us a bit of an assessment on how the rest of our team is going. So, Jeremy, how are we doing as a team? So I think overall, everyone's carrying their weight. I'm proud of everyone. Apart from me. <laughs> no, 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 Harry. You, you're doing what we need you to do. Harry. Yeah, I, I, got, I got smashed, but every, anyone would have got smashed, we hope. So. Exactly. Bjornings are a tough matchup, and I think we threw you under the bus with that one. So that's on us. <laughs> Excellent. But I think, you know, round one, so given a recap, you know, we had two major wins and then a major loss and a minor loss. And I think, Harry, you came through with that minor loss that we need to squeak through just to come out with that positive. So I think everyone did really well. You know, there were some tough matchups. You know, for example, Siraj had a tough matchup into his, but, you know, he did the best he could and, you know, he minimized the VP's losses. So I'm pretty happy with that. And so that gave us a TP of 9 and VP's of 20. So I'm pretty good with that. Yeah, so we had a general positive score in the first round. What about round two? That was Contest of Champions. So Contest of Champions, as I said, we have some pretty heavy shock troops but also a few lists that aren't as heavy so unfortunately Harry got thrown under the bus yeah. with the Bjornings and uh, they're just tough very tough to deal with so unfortunately that Jeremy's was- being very complimentary uh, he gave me some stellar advice at the start of the game which could have won me the game instead I I, I I wouldn't say I chose to ignore it I just forgot immediately and then and then didn't uh, didn't do it but anyway I think there's a lot to consider and there's a lot of play avenues and I think you know you try a few things some things they work sometimes they don't and so overall we had two major wins, a draw, and a major loss. And I think overall that's a really good positive score. So we got 10 TPs, and actually we're on table two right now. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So, there's, so there's four tables obviously on, in table two, but it, it means we're going into divide and conquer in the next round. Uh, we don't yet know uh, our opponents, though. I see some Harad uh, that's just been brought down to the table. So, Jeremy, uh, we're, I guess divide and conquer, are, are there any bad matchups for us here? This, I, I guess this is... Um, 
This is uh, Maelstrom as well, isn't it? I think it is corner. It's corner deployment, if I'm not mistaken. So opposite corners, and I think, thinking of our armies, you know, the Numenorians, they're a solid block when even they split up, so I'm not too worried about that. The Valrog's the Valrog. He's just going to march into the center and say, deal with me. And you're, you're very fast-moving as well. So yes. uh, we've got, and Rohan, of course, are very fast-moving. So, so it could be a good scenario for us. Yeah, I think it, it depends on what the matchups we come against. And uh, I think, again, comes that strategy down of who pairs up with who. Um, but I think we have a sole chance of this to catapult us maybe table one, hopefully, I dare I say, tomorrow. But well, we will see by the end of that. We'll see, we'll see. So we're on to game number three, uh, Divide and Conquer. Uh, we'll find out who I'm playing uh, and how we fare in a few seconds' time. So, uh, it's Divide and Conquer. Uh, we had a chat through uh, before with Jeremy about uh, which, one, which lists we'd end up playing. Uh, I've got Dave to play against. Dave, first of all, can you just give us a quick run through of your army? Mine is essentially a battle line with Thranduil as the leader. I've got uh, Legolas on horse backing him up, who usually acts as a support piece. As does Thranduil, to be honest. But on Divide and Conquer? Yeah you don't really have the opportunity to form a battle line and play as I'd like to play. Yeah, because yours is a bubble army, isn't it? You want to be bubbling around Thranduil, you want to get all those benefits. And and interestingly, I've not seen it used this way, but Legolas, you've got a six, is it five or six Mirkwood cavalry with it? I have six cavalry. I used to play with Sentinels when I first started. I had an all-infantry force. I had nobody mounted. And I soon learned that the Sentinels might be useful in one game out of six at a tournament. Whereas cavalry are useful in all six games. They can grab objectives, they can switch off cavalry charges, etc. They're not the greatest cavalry, Mirkwood cavalry, but they're utility pieces. Yeah, yeah, they've definitely got the bonuses. So uh, your army was uh, Thranduil and Tauriel in one corner, Legolas and his fast-moving cavalry in, in, in the other corner. And I kind of quickly decided I want to try and kill as much of the cavalry as I possibly can while, uh, <laughs> while your rest of your army sort of slogs it up the field. And... Um, so it's a couple of turns in, there were some these big pillory rock stone pieces. Uh, the captain and a sealed door went into the cavalry warband. Uh, a sealed door charging two, the captain charging one. You countercharged the captain with Legolas and everyone, uh, and it looked pretty dire for the captain. But I, I kind of had a plan. I was hoping that a sealed door could heroic combat into two of those guys and help them out and, and basically save him. I spent all of my might to do that, but it did work. It did very much. So. You played decisively, and you played. You made the right moves. Yeah, um, it was bold. It was a bit, it, a bit of old. It was bold, and um, okay, I was a bit lazy. However, you made the right move. You spaffed all his might, which was the right choice. And at that point, perhaps I should have taken advantage of that because I outmighted. I outmighted you at the start of the game. I significantly outmighted you at that point. I should have perhaps capitalised on that somehow. I'm, I'm not saying at this point. I know how I should have done, but I should have done. Yeah, I, I think the, the thing there was, the it meant that I was in a position with a sealed door and Legolas, as, uh, sorry, a sealed door, Legolas, and a captain in one sort of spot. Very few of your cavalry, because I killed four cavalry um, in that turn um, out of the six with just a sealed door, which, as I say, spent a lot of might, but he did it. Um, no, it wasn't actually all four, it was three or something like that. Anyway, um, the next turn, I had the captain and a sealed door in a right spot to be able to call a heroic move. Um, I don't know whether you countered that one. I don't think you did. I don't uh, believe so. No. I think Legolas was locked in anyway, essentially. I don't think he could get a decent target. No. I obviously didn't think about the ring. Yeah. Um, however, sending Legolas in in the first place was a mistake. Yeah. Um, Legolas should never do that. I have learned that lesson through 
having him wrecked time and time <laughs> again. He usually plays as a support piece. He could have took out Sealdor's horse. Yeah, because you had one shot at the Sealdor's horse, didn't you? And you and you didn't uh, didn't win your world of two or something like that for the wound roll. I think if we were on game one. I would have played way more conservatively with them. Although I have a very bad record on capturing, con uh, divide and conquer, divide and conquer. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. Um, and I still haven't got it locked down. Yeah. Um, I've, I, I must say I really struggle with it as well. And I, I think this this game really helped because I I knew I could focus on like killing Legless. Mm -hmm. So I, I knew if I even if I spend all of my points on a sealed door, uh, all of my might points on a sealed door, I can put his ring on yeah. and I can charge Legless and I, there's a good chance I kill him. The second the turn after I'd um, I'd spent all that my on the heroic combats, uh, Elrond could join in the fight. Uh, a sealed door put on the ring, and Legolas was was dead very quickly. And so that meant you just had so little cavalry and had a lot of dudes uh, around there. And your the rest of your army still hadn't quite arrived. Yeah. And so it, it just meant I could take out a lot of the threats, um, and and I still ha could sort of even form up my lines a little bit, uh, waiting for Thranduil and Co to arrive. And then I think I think you probably made the biggest mistake you'd made. Uh, you could have made in the whole game was charging Thranduil yeah. uh, straight into the edge of that thing, knowing that a sealed door was close by enough to run through my whole line uh, with, uh, or sort of your line with the ring on, and uh, basically trap Thranduil, and over the course of a few successive turns, uh, kill him. Basically, yeah, I think um, my battle plan from the get-go was to. I mean, it was a very small battle plan. Was to section off your, um, isolate your Numenorian contingent. And had I have done so, it would uh, it, it would have been how do I say this the opposite way? I yeah. Oh yeah, it would have definitely managed to isolate my cavalry, a big hitting part of my force. Elves don't hit hard. Yeah. The Numenorians bring hitting power to your elf list. Cavalry do to mine, and obviously the death bubble. I didn't manage to isolate your Numenorians. You pushed them right forward. Couldn't get to them. And yeah, you 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 destroyed my cavalry yeah. and I think the, the thing was there that um, I knew I, I was aware that your cavalry could easily um, surround and kill a lot of my Neuronorans before they had the, the elven support so you'd have the fight value advantage you had the knockdown you had a, a leg to potentially uh, fire some shots into a sealed horse stuff like that which uh, you only got one chance to do that so I, I really wanted to isolate them quickly and it was it was a bit risky throwing both both of my big heroes but they were the only ones who could reach him yep. um, into it in one go and I, but I, I was counting on the fact that I could spend all of my resources take Leggy off the board and then uh, Isildur's fine with the ring on in this list so he can he can sort of wade through stuff and, and slowly kill your big heroes and, and that's basically what happened and uh, the I think there were a couple of times, a few turns later, once once the Lions clashed where you had a lot more Fight 5, you were killing a lot of Numenorians, uh, and you were thinning out the Lions in the middle, and it maybe gave you a chance, potentially, to claw it back. It perhaps did, but you were done a significant amount of damage by isolating those cavalry, and you could then wheel the rest of your force on my force as it was arriving. And it arrived in drips and drabs, let's be honest. Tauriel didn't get in until turn 5, yeah. something like that. And uh, I think by that point, it was somewhat too late, but you capitalised on the gains you made early on, and you played a blinder. Um, the ring was a massive oversight. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, the first the, the first thing, uh, first time I, I got you with the ring, 
um, I thought, oh, okay, maybe, maybe that was a bit mean. Um, but the, sec- no. <laughs> the second time I thought, oh, okay, you know, you, re- you really should have thought about that one. But, you know, that's fair enough. We're here to have, have a fun time, um, and, and I, I hope you did enjoy the game. I know you were, you were, um, you, you've had a few pints. You're having a relaxing opponent. <laughs> no, I, no, no, that's not what I was getting at. I, I, I thought it was, uh, you, were, you were playing it fine. I, but I could d- definitely sense... And who wouldn't be deflated by Thranduil and uh, Legolas being killed pretty, pretty with much without them any doing any damage at all? I could totally understand yeah, I mean, the, Legolas, the frustration. Uh, sorry, Thranduil went in knowing he was probably going to be killed. Yeah. He wanted to get a couple of kills before sure. he did so, um, but he did have a death wish going in. Yeah. The ring was still a massive oversight. Yeah. That was a massive oversight. I would have liked him to have gone down in a blaze of glory. That didn't happen. Yeah, he, it, it took a few turns because he had heroic defence, uh, which uh, I pointed out that, you, you know, striking's no point, but you do have heroic defence, so you did that a few turns in a row. Uh, and that uh, made him survive a bit longer and certainly dragged my heroes because I had the captain and Isildur in there to try yes. and kill him, which, which delayed them a bit. And I think now that uh, Thranduil had gone and then the heroes started moving into the middle, they really started clearing up in the middle. And, and yeah, I've, I've got a pretty decisive uh, control over the central objective. And the little battle over in the corner uh, for the one of the side objectives, uh, Thra- uh, uh, Tauriel was, was doing really good work um, clearing it up, but just... I think there was just a couple of unlucky rolls where she could have could have killed stuff and just didn't roll high enough. And she never managed to get anything particularly spicy either. You were quite low on might. Tariel could have done some work. She killed three or four dudes yeah. over the course of the game. I think yeah, I just kept, kept constantly just charging one guy with a sport into a one guy. Oh, absolutely the right choice. I think you won most of the priorities yeah, as so well. well they, and the the um, the foresight two foresight points I rolled for and it, they were. Perfect. Yeah, each one because there was a couple of drawn um, priorities that pushed it to me, and it made you a bit uh, sort of toy. And because I'd taken so much might off you with uh, Thranduil and uh, Legolas going down relatively easily, that, that it was difficult to, to then spend those might. But either way, Dave, it was an absolute pleasure. I genuinely, I genuinely say that. I know you, you, you've claimed that you've been a bit of a, I mean, a bit of misery guts. Come on, I was slumped. I was. I won't. I won't describe to you what else was going on. But, um, <laughs> yes, but, uh, had a trip to the bathroom. Uh, several, several. <laughs> Um, and you played it perfectly. You, you capitalised as you absolutely should have done. Um, and let's be honest, we're in, we're in game three of the day. Stamina is... is it, it's is an important one. And I, I tell you what, I'm flagging, and I know you are. So uh, let's, let's go and have a break and go to the bar. Cheers, Dave. Thank Cheers. you very much. Cheers. Round number four at the team championships here at Warhammer World. And uh, we're playing Clash by Moonlight. And... I think this one was actually, generally, for all four of our uh, teammates, not a bad scenario. Um, we've got the Balrog who's, uh, with the Goblin, so he's quite happy with that sort of thing. Um, I think Jeremy with his, um, his Berserker Horde was a little bit worried because uh, they're very vulnerable to bowfire. Uh, and Owen, of course, has a lot of uh, throwing weapons uh, with his Riders of Rohan, so they can be pretty nasty. And I was, yeah, I don't know, I was kind of fine with pretty much most of the armies. Uh, playing against Julian Hammond, uh, you may remember him from the podcast uh, of uh, Time Gone By, with uh, Rohan once again. And um, just before we we talk a little bit about your uh, your army in detail, um, just could you could you vaguely remember and summarise the the rest of your armies for your team, and, and whether you sort of had much choice in your matchup in particular? Um, I didn't have too much of a matchup, and I, and I was I felt I was okay facing your uh, last alliance. Horde. The other, the other team players have got um, Dragon Emperor, uh, which is a fairly good, solid uh, army. We've got uh, Pits of Dol Guldur, 
and there's a, a Gondor with a Rohan Alliance, so they've got Phaedra chucked in there as a bit of a grenade. Yeah, and, and that's the, with Boromir leading it, isn't yes, it? Yes, absolutely, yeah. 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 And so, so when you... Um, did, did you get to choose this, or I think this was just the last pair, wasn't it? You, you were the, the, the reserve guy, I guess? Yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you were quite happy to take whatever whatever was left. I think the only thing I'd really didn't want to face is Azog. I certainly didn't want to face the Barog because I've never faced a Barog before. And obviously, team competition, the pressure's on you to do well for your team. Um, sadly, that didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll. Uh, um, so you've got the, the the sort of standard riders of Thaed and this. You've got Thaed and Emir, Deowine, Gambling, Dernhelm, and and Merry, I suppose. Yeah. So he's the other hero. Uh, what what did you think? So um, you already said that you were quite okay uh, against my last alliance. Uh, of course, Elrond, the Sildor, and uh, the captain involved. Uh, and Clash by Moonlight is all about killing heroes and having ki- heroes left alive. What was your plan? Did you fancy your chances? Uh, to hit hard uh, and try and break, well, try, try and reduce your numbers as much as possible, so your heroes, I can then start tackling those. Um, and it just went wrong from from the first turn, really. Uh, as you say, it's clashed by moonlight, so my throwing spear should have had a real effect uh, on the impact. And I made sure that most of them were in the front line. Uh, I think I killed one out of eight, eight throwing spears. Well, I, I don't think you even killed anything with the throwing spears. It was it was just one combat that you won with yeah, the thing. Right, yeah. So I, I think the, the the only thing that like, I would say you could have potentially done different in that first turn, and I know you wanted your throwing spears, which makes sense, um, but they, they missed and they, they didn't uh, do very well. I, I think you didn't charge any heroes in, or maybe only one hero in. I think it was AMR uh, in the first turn. Okay, the, the reason for that is all bar AMR... Um, we're actually out of range and the reason why I've done that is because obviously it's clashed by moonlight so your archery that I'm going to take one turn of firing before I go in uh, I make sure my heroes were behind two or three riders so, so it lessens the chance of them having the horses taken from or, or cheeky wounds so Dernhelm was on the other on the other flank and she couldn't quite get into combat so yeah my, my, my riders just just didn't do their stuff and they collapsed and it wasn't just a collapse it was I was killing a lot of them as well I think I killed one horse and one rider in the shooting um, uh, as they came in but then I think in that first turn of combat it was about five maybe six yeah, of the yeah. Royal Guard that yeah. died end of the first turn of combat uh, my, my army was reduced by a quarter yeah it was, it was pretty horrible. Um, and, of course, you mentioned AMA was the only one who did get to charge, and he did charge in. And I, I essentially, I, I, uh, Elrond was on one flank, very much on his own, hiding behind a rock, uh, with the two riders, um, sorry, two, my two knights, and uh, four uh, elves and Numenorians. And um, AMA charged in, uh, and I thought, right, OK, this is a good chance to just go for it and um, try my Wrath of Burning. So I rolled the two dice of Wrath of Burning, got a double six, and then uh, AMR tried to resist and rolled a three high off three dice. And then, you know, you spaffed your might on that. To be honest, when you did it, I thought, I'm happy for this to happen because surely if I roll all three at it, you've only got one will left. Uh, surely I'll get, I'll, I'll get a six and I got my, a will point back. But no, I got three highest and had to use all my might to, to stay on my horses. Which, which was interesting because it, it, it did allow for uh, AMR to stay on his horse, obviously. But... The, uh, it, it meant that he was so out of might that it, it kind of almost baited Elrond into a fight, and which um, maybe maybe I was a bit oh, a bit gung ho on this, but um, I, I decided to go in, heroic combated into AMX, I was just slightly out of reach, um, and managed to trap him and and do some damage to him. But that defense seven just just 
kept him alive um, and right until the end of the game actually and um, it might have been a mistake because it meant that you could then counter charge with a lot of other stuff including Fairden and um, uh, Gambling and Darewine as well yeah yeah yeah. so I, I, I did the same so I heroic combated with three heroes into the other side of um, Elrond in the hope of taking them out in one go unfortunately with his re-rollable fate he just managed to, to survive. He, he just squeaked it out. on for the rest of the game. Yeah, he just squeaks out one thing. So I think he, he lost one, uh, sorry, two wounds and all of his fate. Um, but the, the re-rolls really did come in clutch with his re-rollable fate. That, that, that saved his life because um, I'd failed two of the fate and re-rolled them into the, into the success, which is pretty good. Um, but the, uh, I think by that point, the, the, the initial charge had gone so wrong against the majority of my army and you'd kind of withdrawn most of your army to focus on Elrond which is on one side of the block it just meant that I could bring pretty much swing my whole entire army back into the fray to, to counteract it quickly because so I think if I couldn't if, if even a few more of your riders had survived over that left hand side flank where, where it had collapsed um, I wouldn't have been able to get through I wouldn't have been able to support Elrond in that, that um, success and I, crucially I wouldn't have got a seal door into the fray uh, by taking his ring off at one point and sliding through to the back of Deowine and taking one of the strikers off Elrond and things like that. So it was it was pretty much that first collapse charge that gave me the chance to then uh, bring my whole army to bear against uh, against the rest of yours. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, my, my initial plan was um, to hit the majority of your army with with a line of riders, hit one flank, which is your weaker flank where Elrond was, and a few uh, elves with a bigger bunch of, of them and try and swing round and then sort of split your army so I'm, I'm in front and behind and yeah the, the front line the holding force essentially just just disappeared mm. and, and, and I, 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 did, I think I did I played I think I did play some things quite well I left a big gap in my line so that um, so that I could potentially counter charge your heroes uh, your uh, riders with my heroes so my captain in a sealed door really helped blunt that charge and they got the heroic combats off in the next turn as well so so I think I, I think I did that quite well um, the ring also again uh, as with the previous game it came in so handy here I mean it just just being able to new to those the excessive amount of might you've got uh, and kind of devalue your heroic strikes and hold AMR off because there are a couple of times where you had a couple of heroes into Elrond um, and one or two of them were striking and I could just uh, send a sealed door through to take the one who was striking away just because of the invisibility sliding through the lines yeah to be honest that was um, a little bit of a surprise to me but it didn't quite work out the way you'd hoped yeah. for yeah, I was hoping to kill things, but in the end, he, he basically lost all of his combats when he had the ring, but it, it, it did work. Uh, yeah, he, he, he lost the combat against uh, Aemer, hoping to take Aemer out of the equation, but Aemer, so Theoden had already died, so Aemer's now getting a plus one to win, which yeah. was um, incredibly important against the defence A Isildur. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and you did take a wound off, but Isildur remained alive, so does the captain... Uh, and so does Elrond. So all of my heroes are left alive. Um, but I think just because you, you ran out of numbers to protect everything, that I could slowly surround and pick off a lot of your heroes. So as you mentioned, Theoden went down in a very, very unlucky combat against um, Elrond. It was, I, I think, I, it was just Elrond against uh, Theoden. So it was your, three, uh, your two dice against my three. And I just managed to kill him in one go, which was pretty nuts, wasn't it? Yeah, but the, you know these things happen, yeah. don't they? Two yeah, wounds. I, mean, I didn't realize he had two wounds. Yeah, El Elrond's uh, sorry, um, Theoden's fragile, and normally I keep him in a bit of a box towards the back. But there are times when you, as a as a king, you need to get into combat and do these things. Um, but yeah, he's, he's very fragile. He's, he's there predominantly to buff the rest of the army up. Yeah. And once he's gone, 
you're winning fights all over the place just on the com on the fight values because yeah. I have nothing above fight four at that point with any troops. And also it's taking out another hero with might, which was handy. And so in the end, um, I did kill your leader. Uh, Elrond scraped by. You did caught, caught, get a point for, for wounding him severely, though. Uh, but I had the break, and I'm still... Uh, maybe four or five models off off breaking, so relatively comfortable uh, with that. So, uh, and I, I've got I killed more of your heroes. Merian, uh, Eowyn went down, uh, Deowine went down, and so did Thaed. And so, uh, a ten-two victory uh, to me here on Clash by Moonlight, which to hopefully hopefully is uh, reflective of what the rest of the team is doing. But either way, Julian, a cracking game as ever. I think your dice did betray you a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my, my dice were, were pretty awful, to be honest, but uh, that, that's, that's just how it goes. You know, I had a bit, a bit better luck against Elves uh, yesterday with my dice. Uh, I'm sure he was fed up with me rolling sixes. Today, it did just, just didn't happen. Yeah, it just didn't happen. Well, either way, best of luck in the final game of the tournament. And you, Harry. Uh, pleasure, to, pleasure to play you again. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much. Cheers. Game number five, we're playing Hold Ground, and would you believe it, we're on the top tables. I don't know how this works out uh, with, the, with the team. I, I think it have been carried a lot of the way. We'll talk to Jeremy, Jeremy in a second about how we got here and uh, what the matchups were like. But first, let's introduce the opponent, the final opponent of the weekend. It's none other than Damien O'Byrne. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Delighted to be here, Harry. It's very exciting. So you've been on the podcast before for Seven Stones. Yep. Um, of course, you're, you're also known for the SBG magazine and uh, battle streams in Middle Earth. Um, we've never had a chat on the podcast, so welcome along to Entmoot. Um, first of all, your, your teams, uh, it's a very top-tier team in terms of players. Uh, you've won many a tournament uh, a time gone by, and uh, Tom is uh, also, also top here. table, also here. Uh, Johnny, excellent player, and Jay Claire as well. Claire. So it's, it's a bit of a, bit of a um, killer, killer uh, team here. But um, in terms of the, the, like, deciding the, the matchups in this one, um, what armies have you got? And what armies has everyone else got? How did it all pan out, basically? So we have four. I've got a kind of very basic Gondor army, I think it's fair to say, like um, the plastic troops, largely, with some with some cool heroes, but like Boromir, Faramir, and Madril. And this has all been painted on the battle streams and Middle yeah, Earth streams. It's, it's the people. If anyone watches the stream, it's the it's my B-Sime Gondor army. So it's an army that's entirely been painted um, on that stream, basically through models cleared from my backlog. So no buying models for it because they're good. You can only paint them if they came in the magazine and stuff. Yeah. So it was a, it's been a lot of fun, and this is my second event using it. Fantastic, fantastic. And what about the rest of the team? Yeah. So Jay, who is, we should give a massive shout out to Adam Troke, who is meant to be with us. Which is the Wanderers in the Wild is yeah. from our big team, and he, um, his wife was unwell sadly, so he had to drop out at the last minute. So Jay, who is also a Wanderer, um, but was meant to be the ref here, um, kindly stepped in at the last minute. So Jay stepped, was called in on Friday, and he used the Vanquishers. I think he yeah. had five of them. Um, he's a scary player, a scary list, but mm -hmm. um, it's obviously not particularly easy to do well with since the nerf. Yeah. Then we have uh, Johnny Wright, who has got an amazing army that he's painted up for this event, which is basically all Morgul Knights with, I think, three wraiths. Yeah, so I think there was one of them as a tainted, I don't yeah. know what the other he's one was. The Witch King. Marshall and the Witch King, I think. Yeah, yeah. So he's got one on Fell Beast, and then, yeah, about 20 Morgul Knights. Looks awesome. It's it really, did, really it did cool. look really, really cool. And then the final one is Tom Harrison. It's the Tom Harrison, as I live and breathe. Um, he's got Azog's Legion, I think he went with in the end, yeah. yeah. So he's got Azog... Um, two captains, one of them a mercenary, and then just yeah, max troops. So goblin mercenaries, Gundabads, and two bats, I think, something, something like, like that. that. So, so with that... Oh, an ogre. I want an ogre, and an ogre. And did you, did you get a choice? Did you want to play... Other than obviously wanting to play me, because I'm no, a delight. Yeah. Um, did, you, uh, did you want to play my list? Yes. I, I wanted to play one of the two good armies, yeah. I think I said. Um, which was your list or the um, other good list? Yeah, yeah, Rise of Theoden. So I was either Vanguard. I feel like I was the Vanguard. 
Um, so we ha we played the odds that you would put forward one of the two good armies for that, yeah. um, and that I would pick that, and that's what you did, I think. I think yeah, I think we put the Riders of Third and forward as the vanguard from memory. Yeah. So it was between your one and. I'm going to be in the Balrog one was it the Balrog? Oh, yeah, a Balrog. Yeah, so you went with um, not not so the Balrog. Not, no, thank you. <laughs> I'll have the Last Alliance. My army's very, very, I think, good and solid against a lot of things, but it can't really deal with tricks. Yeah. And so anything like the Balrog, I just didn't rate Boromir getting through it basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, the only trick you had to deal with was uh, the ring, basically. Yes, indeed. I, and I thought I, I thought between Isildur failing the rolls and. Um, maybe winning a heroic move roll off so that he doesn't get to put it on I might be able to deal with that and uh, so to the game um, it's, a, it's hold ground so this is Maelstrom which yeah. I, I, I went first and I proceeded to roll a one for both um, Elrond and the captain so a sealed or came on on his own which was very annoying um, and then you basically just went right okay let's go go and gank him you try and surround me and kill me in as soon as possible with all of your army yeah I mean without, without trying to reverse your own podcast but I'd, I'd like to ask you why, why did you do that why, yeah. did, why did you roll two ones for your warbands to come on <laughs> it was a poor choice yeah, it just seemed like a strange thing to do I was like I would have rolled like fours or fives yeah, yeah, well, yeah maybe even a three and spend a might you know anything like that yeah you got I mean when I saw the first one I was like brilliant when I saw the second one I was like oh hang on if I get three if of these three ones it's a disaster but then you got it doesn't really matter what you got because at that point you have one warband yeah. on and then I was able to get all three of mine on with Madril. Madril. Yeah. Um, he went on first, and then I used the plus one for yeah. both of my other warbands. So I got my entire army on surrounding yours, and I kind of thought, okay, that that's, that's it's win. not it's not it, but that's very very good because I'm going to have one turn of my army against your warband, and I could get to a Sildor. Yeah. Uh, so that was the plan ganked everything the next turn and it didn't really go to plan yeah it strangely didn't work out because um, I think in the first turn you maybe killed not, many. not very many I think it was like three or four Numenorians. Uh, out so there was a couple of shooting uh, attempts you tried to de-horse Isildur didn't manage to um, you shot uh, uh, sorry then you charged and surrounded him with Boromir Faramir etc and it and it just didn't didn't work I think the strike off went, went my way uh, and then a uh, Faramir, did I wound Boromir or you, take some fate off? Two fate off him. And two. actually, we haven't talked about this. Yeah. I didn't use, I got a two for fate and I didn't yes. use two might. Yeah. And we were debating whether or not I should have done. And obviously at the end, he was out of might. So I'm, it worked out in the end. Yes, so that's, a good, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah so. I, I was thinking that's a dead, that's a dead Isildur. But it's all, we were saying before it, weren't we? It doesn't matter how many dice I've got or how many dice you've got. If you, we both get the six, it's just a roll off. Yeah. So um, yeah, you won that one. And then you won the heroic move roll off next. Yeah, so I could take the ri I could dis uh, Isildur could jump off the horse, get the ring, and then that that sort of that's felt like a big swing. Yeah. Um, but and then Elrond came on in a place that I I, I kind of I, I, I kind of regret it now. But he came on to try and support them. I didn't have much of a choice in it because I rolled a three, mighted up to the four, so he went basically behind my. Uh, surrounded dudes and um, but because there was just a sea of people there he, he kind of didn't really get a chance to get in anywhere and and even on the very last turn he's still sort of hanging around in that probably about eight inches on the board never really got any further than that because I think from then on I didn't win any, any of the move-offs and um, so or didn't counter any of them so he just never really got anywhere but by that point you'd killed a lot of my Numenorians the all of the Rivendell were in one spot and the captain came on the side but my captain's my smallest warband so it just it just meant that as long as you did the right stuff uh, and you know, cancelled out uh, a sealed door's potential. You, you kind of were were in a relatively safe position. Yeah, I did. I did wonder again. We haven't we haven't talked about it yet. Whether do you think putting Elrond on there was a mistake? Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I think if I if I'd have put him on one of the sides or even the other side, but I think I had to. 
I had to do a spend a point of mic to get him on, and so I probably should have put him on the complete opposite side of the board and then marched a, a run into the middle and you know used some bows and some stuff to do the damage. But I thought I think the, my my intention was to sweep round at some point and and try and do Wrath of Brunin and stuff like that and knock you off your horses. It's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because you you do what what anyone should wants to do which is save your warband yeah. and get into the fight and try and kill my leader and all that but in a way if you would have actually just written off that warband yeah. let them get wiped out you could probably take the center and you're quite close to breaking yeah which is a you know a good thing in this game yeah. and then suddenly you're on center so maybe but i i think I, th I, I think, think you've got at that point you still think oh, no I can I've got another warband coming in I can kind of swing yeah. this so. I, I, that's why I think I, part of me wanted to swing it and part of me thought um, that if I could at least alleviate the pressure on a seal door then I could I could there's a really strong because where where I when Elrond came on a seal door got the ring off so it actually looked quite good so I thought well if, with the support of Elrond I might be able to kill both Boromir and, uh, and Faramir in a couple of turns but just the I, I think the next turns move off I, I put a spear in the wrong place so Elrond couldn't come Round and, and things like that so it, it uh, he couldn't actually get into the spot that he really needed to be in but um, yeah so you, you're totally right though if I'd have come on into the middle I'd have had uh, how big's my main warband it's uh, 40, 13 so yeah I'd have had something like 20 of my models um, away uh, on the middle and sort of 17 um, in the uh, in the area near a sealed door so yeah it would have been it would have been a good uh, yeah, good way to it's do it. It's really. hard to make that choice, though, yeah. I think, at that time, to really, really clear the red mist yeah. and go, rather than going, well, Elrond and his knights can come on and just butcher all these guys. Yeah. It'll be fine. And my might would have been more effective as well because I had the, uh, I had the, I would, the captain could have supported Elrond rather than basically doing nothing uh, except move slowly into the middle and then die <laughs> in the last turn in a pretty disappointing uh, series. Like, had one chance to do some work and, and never really got to do it. But, I mean, was there anything, other than those sort of maelstrom decisions perhaps, was there anything that you think that I really needed to do here to, to change the, the outcome? Not roll two ones at the start. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, don't th I don't think you made any mistakes. Like I say, I, I think that Elrond decision is up in the air. You know, yeah. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but... Um, I, I don't know what else you can do in that. I think you, you went for the fight. It was really good. And I don't think as well, I don't think we said the score, but it was like 10, 10, nil, 10 yeah. nil. But that's, that, doesn't, that doesn't tell the game. You know? It's no. one of those ones where on turn three, I was terrified. Yeah. You know, on turn three, I was like, oh God, if he now, if Isildur was all right with the ring on his kill, Boromir, and yeah. then sad, you know, I, luckily. You also, you haven't said it, in your, to be humble, that Isildur without might rolled no six on three dice and then no six on six dice and yeah. that's why he's died yeah and so yeah because he shielded in the second time against Faramir and Boromir which I thought this is this is a great way of stalling two big heroes for another turn but uh, sadly he didn't get the six and I'd, I'd spent the might one on one coming on one right combating no her on moving yeah, yeah, I don't know what I was spending the might on actually but anyway uh, either way it was uh, yeah there were certainly some um ups and downs but but yeah I, I like to think that I didn't make any catastrophic errors like you say one decision maybe could have could have been more sensible with hindsight but at the time it wasn't a terrible move I my my, de my definite big mistake was just blocking a path off with one Rivendell spear if I hadn't blocked that off Elrond could have swung around in a different place so be careful where you place your models people but either way um what what does that mean for you guys? I think I think you ended up with three major wins in the last thing. Yes, yeah, so we got three major wins and we're on the top table. Um, it's a weird scoring system, so no one quite knows what goes on. And you don't know what happens on the tables below you, but yeah, we I don't know. We're we're optimistic. Like yeah. we'd, you'd, like it seems like a podium must yeah, be in the offing. <laughs> podium must be in the offering. You would surely, think. surely, surely. Is that what? a Lord of the Rings quote? What does that remind me of? <laughs> podium of just in the offing. Must be in. The, I don't know. It's, it's obviously. A, oh, it's from Bernard and the Genie. 
Right, it's, it's I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's totally else. <laughs> anyway. But a knighthood is surely on its way. I wish it wasn't on its way. No, apparently it's not. Oh, there right. you go. Great, great Christmas tree. I d- well, we'll have to check that out, everyone. Bernard and the genie? genie yeah. Right, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, Damien, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always. What a lovely, lovely game to end on uh, for the final round. It, it wasn't too sweaty, wasn't too difficult. Uh, you know, I lost it, but obviously... Uh, it. Yeah, it just felt like it was done in the right spirit, so I really I appreciate that. I couldn't agree more. I've said this to you, but I always, the, the penult, just before the last game, I'm always a bit terrified that you just want a really nice game against a nice person. When we saw we, got, we drew your team, it was just brilliant. So yeah. uh, I don't mind saying, I'm not sure if you're allowed to say this, I gave you your, oh, my sporting team back. Well, I gave you yours. So. <laughs> oh, babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was lovely. it was a really, really wonderful end to, uh, way to end a really wonderful weekend. It has, and it's great, isn't it? I, just, just quickly on the Warhammer teams. I, I've never done a Warhammer World Teams Championship before. Um, and this it was fantastic it's such a great format really really is it's it's something about even though you you can lose your team can win for you and and you know that sometimes you're going to have to be thrown under the bus because the matchups aren't great anyway so it so it feels a lot nicer when you lose some of those games i think i think it was fair for our team we'll have to see but i think all of us got thrown under the bus we've always had five games so maybe it happened to someone twice but I know that Jay in the last game, Johnny in one game against Elves, Tom against the Nazog, and me in the, the game I lost the um, uh, yesterday. I was like, we, we all kind of got the unfavourable matchup once, oh, well, and so I took yeah. one for the team. Yeah, so it's not one guy constantly being fair. <laughs> sure, I, I think everyone's everyone's on four wins. Yeah. I think maybe. Well, a, sol- a solid performance. Either way, uh, Damien, thank you so much for for coming on Entmoot, uh, and best of luck. Hopefully, we'll see you on the podium. Thank you very much. And to you. So uh, the, the dust is settling. Uh, we haven't yet found out who the winner is. And I'm, I'm not going to do an interview with the winning team because it's just so difficult uh, to pin down four people at once and try and actually get any kind of coherence out of them. We might give it a go in a bit. We'll see. But uh, I thought one last chat with, uh, with Jeremy Wong, captain of the Imps of Kazard Dundee. And so in that final round, uh, we had a really tricky... We were on the top four tables. We had some really tricky matchups. Uh, we mentioned against Damien that, you know, uh, Damien, Jay, uh, Tom and Johnny are all really, really good players. Um, how do we choose our lists and, and, and do, do, did we do it right do you think uh, I think it was a tough call because they had put out a very balanced list the uh, sort of the Gondorian list so again you know there's no real strengths no real weaknesses you have Boromir who's a good fighter they have that fight for um, fight five with the banner white banner support and things with spears fountain court rangers so again you know not an easy list, but also, again, not an impossible list to crack. Mm. So we were thinking, right, what are we going to put into it? We'll put in the armies that he has to choose from, either the Balrog, where fight doesn't matter, or we have our Elven Blades that can be superior to him and help us sort of win the fight. With and our of course, a Sealdor as well. Yeah, and a Sealdor with a ring that can shut down Boromir easily, and potentially we could Alpha Strike him. Yeah, so that, that was the hope. That was the hope. Of course, it all depended on Maelstrom. But, and, and then the other ones, you ended up playing against Jay uh, with the Vanquishers, which I think um, it's fair to say you, you managed to surround and, and do some really horrible things to the Vanquishers. Yeah, so the Vanquishers, um, they deployed first, thankfully, so they deployed in a corner. And then I had to, I spent about one might from Bolg, two might from Azog, uh, to just in essence I cornered him into a corner, made sort of a in essence a, a bubble wrap where he couldn't get out of. Bats went in, knocked them all down, and unfortunately there was no vanquishers left by the end of the game. Mm. Yeah, because because uh, once you've been knocked down, you can't cast magic on the floor, can you? Exactly, and I think that was the biggest. Uh, that was my biggest boon in terms of t- dealing with him is that Azog, Bolg, and all my berserkers could go in without fear of being really interrupted and they're just slowly chipping down with the resources yeah i guess that's it so so in in general i mean uh, what do we think of the the team championships format because i mean i must say I, I i think generally our lists have been pretty solid um nothing has been 
horrendous uh, to fight against. I, I think we've, we've all had pretty decent matchups. We've done relatively well to get on the top table in the last turn. Uh, we don't know yet, yet whether we'll make it to the podium, but it seems unlikely. Um, but like generally, it seems like an interesting format. How have you, have you thought of it? I think the team tournament's a really good format. Um, you know, it, it's a lot more fun. You're playing with your team members. It's not just you yourself. And I think when you're not getting the highs your allies can get the highs and that really you can feel that sort of right we're working together we're getting through this as a team and I think that really reinforces it and it just adds a bit of fun element where you're strategizing so that's sort of another game on top of the game yourself that you're playing which is quite nice actually yeah yeah you're totally right and, and you're, you're right in terms of the it sort of mitigates those lows when you've had, been, had an absolute fisting sometimes you just you just have those horrible horrible games <laughs> where you get absolutely destroyed um, and, and it's okay if, if the rest of the team unless maybe you've all lost pretty awfully but most of the time that just doesn't it doesn't feel likely so um, it just really li lifts you out of the, the pit you could be in exactly. for, for getting a 12-0 loss or something yeah, totally, totally. And I think, you know, this, I've had a solid team. Couldn't have asked for a better team. You know, Aww. everyone's done well. I think everyone's pulled their weight. We gave it a good shot, and we'll just have to see how the results go, really. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for being uh, the team captain and being the sort of voice of the rest of the team uh, for the podcast this time. Fingers crossed we find out who wins. Uh, maybe we, we might squeak onto the podium. Uh, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see. Right. I couldn't have asked for a better team. Love you all. <laughs> So there you go, team championships. What an absolute thrill. Oh, honestly, I, I, cannot, I cannot be more positive about this tournament um, than, I, honestly, I really, really, really loved it. The format is absolutely fantastic. I've never had so many um, enjoyable sort of singles games. I mean, not, not just because my opponents were fantastic, which they absolutely were. All of them were great. Uh, every single game I had, whether win or loss, um, was just an absolute pleasure but it was just made so much more enjoyable uh, by the fact that I was working towards something towards a common goal towards helping my team do something I mean obviously that didn't always work out in my favour but it felt like because even though you might have lost a game and your teammates were winning that it was okay because you know maybe no one would have won that game against uh, said player so um I just really, I just think it's fantastic. I mean, you heard from all the players and, and Jeremy as well, uh, enthusing about uh, the various results. And it's just, it's just cracking. Um, and ending on that, uh, with, that game with Damien there, I, it, it was a real delight because um, he was in exactly the same zone as me. Um, you know, he'd, uh, he'd sort of, maybe played really competitive years ago um, and, and has found kind of a renewed joy of this kind of competitive gaming working with a team um, and just playing scenarios most of the time but playing the team sort of events or double of, doubles events and clearly really enjoys it so it's fantastic I really I, yeah I honestly can't uh, sell it enough in terms of a style and a format in fact I, I love it so much I may end up doing a tournament next year of my own um, running this exact format so we'll see what we can do uh, keep your eyes peeled for said thing um, just in terms of the actual event uh, the actual games um, I I had some really cool games I, I think I, I, I think I, I'm trying to think I think my first game against uh, James who had the Knight of Umbar Dalamir, Delgamar Guritz and a Boson I felt like that was I felt that one was a frustrating one because I just couldn't do anything right in it, um, and I, I, it was one of those games that I think some everyone always blames one of them on dice, don't they? But that was probably the one I would blame on dice. Um, I think I, I did. I had came up with some cool ideas, came up with some cool strategies to try and win it out. It just none of them were being delivered on. You know, it was when you go, okay, I think if I do this, and all I need is three dice on a uh, four up on three dice, so therefore I should be able to just squeak a win if I do that. 
and then you think three dice and a four up that's going to happen right and it doesn't you think ah, well you know whatever don't matter it was a good game uh, the second game against Bayon and Grimbayon I just completely f- fudged it honestly I can't think of a more of a car crash of a game than that one um, I think we said in the interview it was 12-0 it was actually 9-0 because um, Bayon uh, kill, didn't kill Elrond himself he killed Isildur and Grimbayon killed Elrond but losing both of those heroes in um, the first turn was an absolute disaster not just because um you know they were both my heroes but also because it was not at all necessary and i learned that i learned from that mistake hard using the the ring for the rest of the games was just uh, it it just showed the the power of the ring but i just needed to I needed to be more clever about it and actually pay attention to jeremy keep team captain sorry again jeremy about that loss but either way um i could have easily won it if uh, if Elrond had just stood there Isildur would have run through behind uh, Bayorn I'd have uh, trapped uh, Bayorn and uh, had the higher fight value and got a good chance at a couple of wounds maybe it would take it a turn or two I'd have slowly got there wouldn't I because he could do absolutely nothing about it because Grimborn was really far away at that point anyway so yeah bit of a poo poo but hey we learn we live live and learn from that one so a, a second loss there which didn't feel great for the team but it's okay because I got that 9-1 win uh, against Thranduil and Legolas and Tauriel and just spent loads of might from Isildur in the early turn to just completely gump uh, Legolas while he still had uh, a few points of might left and stopping from sniping me and things like that so that was that was good fun uh, I felt a bit bad for Dave in that one because I think he just felt a bit uh, bit like I'd um, deleted you know control a delete um this hero control a delete this next hero and he didn't really have anything to counter it with so I don't think it, there, there was some things that he could have done slightly differently, but yeah, there wasn't a lot that he could have done to counter that one. And I think the same with Julian. Julian's line just collapsed. Uh, his Rohan line just absolutely melted um, the first turn. You know, a lot of fights that were even, and he just lost all of them, um, apart from one, I think it was. And once he'd done that, and I'd killed like half a dozen of his 20 something riders, it was just game over, basically. Um, he might have been able to do a little bit more if he put his heroes in the front line and, and heroic combated and called death in the first turn. Um, but I think Julian had a fair response for that. So, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those games. If you if you charge into something and you've got four dice to, to win a fight, uh, uh, sorry, two, yeah, two dice to win a fight plus a banner and you don't get the win and uh, two dice back at you gets a, you know, five off, off those dice in every single fight, what can you do? there's not, not a lot you can do um but you know and the strange thing even i thought the foresight points were going to win me that game it turns out they didn't i only spent two of my five foresight points because the the draws just didn't they weren't that helpful so uh the the sort of uh, priority roles weren't that helpful so that was interesting uh and then of course damien at the end um damien's just a very good player uh he you know he makes this sort of makes out that he's this real fluffy player um in terms of uh, on the battle streams in middle earth he talks all about the um the background of the game um, and by all means he loves all that stuff uh, he's really well into the theme but when he's on the tabletop he just knows exactly where to put those toys he just knows exactly how to line up uh, his uh, his troops in perfect ways he's just got years of experience and um even with a, an army that you would consider to be perhaps under under uh, valued or sort of undertuned um you know no no uh, he sort of made a the point of saying that there's no uh, elites there for cheats or something like that um 
even without all of that, he still knew exactly what to do with each of his armies. I think I made some mistakes. I think I could have probably counted it, but I think he was very magnanimous in his uh, his success there by by saying that you know it it, it wasn't um, it wasn't as clear cut as I was perhaps suggesting. But either way, uh, incredible game against uh, Damien as well. Uh, a ten nil major loss, but still can't complain. So all in all. Um, we didn't do very well in that last round, so you'll be wondering where where we all ended up. Uh, I know we've touched on it with Jeremy over the course of the day and at the end there, but uh, the end result was uh, a team called the JJR Tolkens, which uh, we did actually play and we beat uh, in the previous round. So that was Julian. Uh, was it Julian? Yeah, Julian and Jake. And is that right? Anyway, maybe I'm getting that wrong. It might have actually been someone else. Uh, which team are they on? I can't remember which team. Anyway, we definitely played them. They, yeah, I'm sure it's Julian. Julian um, and Jake and some other people. Uh, I can't remember who else was on that team, but it's, they're all JJJR. You see what they did there? Tolkien's. Um, so they uh, they won by one tournament point compared to the Wanderers in the Wild. Of course, Damien, Tom Harrison, uh, and Johnny, and who's the third? Oh, and Jay Claire, of course. Um who were in that final team at the end there. So that was, they came second. And then Diva Victrix uh, from uh, Chester were the third place finishers. So we got completely harumphed in the final round because uh, we were doing quite well. But then because we got three losses and one uh, win in the last round, the scoring system was such that we actually ended up uh, being in a kind of paltry uh, eighth, I think, in the end, or was it? Yeah, something like that. So, uh, not particularly great. Uh, big shout out though to one does not simply reveal just a diorama. Uh, one of the best team names, of course. That was good. So, uh, really enjoyed that. But uh, the way it all worked is you get sort of points for major victories and minor victories, and and um, so even if, say, for example, two of your teammates won uh, in with major wins and two of them lost but only one of them was a minor loss you sort of ended up sort of vaguely positive in the uh, course of the tournament so it was it was really cool I really enjoyed the whole format it just seemed to work um, and it felt competitive in a way that I like but also felt really really all about this kind of bringing people together fellowship kind of vibes and just jolly and good fun I, I think I think it may I'm sorry Damien but you seem to enjoy it as well but and I'm sorry Tom Harrison um I think it might be now my favourite tournament. Um, I know it's weird um, because I've always said Seven Stones is the is the number one for me. Um, that had overtaken Throne of Schools a while back, but because Seven Stones is the doubles tournament, it's very themey um, and it's wonderful. And I think I think the reason I like this one more is that it's got that. I think over the last few years, I've I've built a bit more of a kind of desire to play the the game at a sort of more competitive level and um and I'm really enjoying that element of it. I'm really enjoying the challenge and I think I'm getting better at it. And this really rewards that but without kind of without the real stress of the this sort of sweaty matchups or you know the difficult um uh, scenarios. It's it's really good if you've got a team like the one we had um, big shout out to Siraj and Owen who haven't been on the podcast uh, and also Jeremy the captain um, for for just being such great guys uh, great players you know really solid armies as well but also just being really great teammates uh, over the course of the weekend because they really made this uh, a pleasure and it's great and you know the, no one was kind of shouting at each other for not getting um, w- getting wins or you know or, or even um even when things like Jeremy gave me some sensible advice against Bay Awnings and then I just completely ignored it, 
that that was just completely forgotten um, uh, immediately, and and that's just a testament to the uh, the quality of characters uh, we had in our team. And I think a lot of the teams were saying similar sort of things: is you go with your friends, uh, and you know maybe if you if you're sort of really keen competitive players, it can really work, and maybe if you're you know fluffy friendly players, it can also work because you're just sort of commiserating and then having fun with one another. It's absolutely brilliant. I will definitely be uh looking ahead uh, to the next team championships for my uh, for next year um if it's happening again which i really really hope it does and i'm certainly i have an idea for a uh, a sort of maybe early in the year may or something like maybe not may because that's probably when this this team championships happening maybe even easter or something like that for my own team championships maybe even the summer who knows we'll sort something out in the Lincolnshire area, um, maybe even the Lincolnshire coast. We'll see what we can bring to the table. Either way, thank you so much for listening uh, to another Entmoot. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, congratulations to the JJJR Tolkien's for winning. Uh, and as I say, I'm pretty sure it included Jake and Julian, and I can't remember the other players. Um, uh, well, uh, well, let me just think. I've, I must have played one of them, mustn't I? Did I play one of them? Yeah, James. Of course it was James. Yeah, James. So that's three of the James. I don't know who the fourth member of the team is. Apologies. Um, I've, I've compl- I can picture your face, but I can't remember your name. Um, I, I, either way, uh, thank you and well done. Um, well done, you guys, for, for such a cracking tournament. I'm sure you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, once again, thanks to the, the guys who came down from Scotland, the Kaza Dumdee chaps. And uh, hopefully we can do it again next year. In the meantime... The next episode coming soon will be the uh, the final, the sort of slow grow league that I've been working on in the background, my local little event where I've been building up my um, Numenorian army. And, of course, also, I want your points about uh, how do you start your new army. So get in touch on that. Uh, we heard it earlier in the questions and need answering. How do you start a new army? What is the point? Uh, what, 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 you know, gets your, your, your juices flowing, as it were? Um is it the hobby is it a model is it a rule is it a legion is it something like that is it competitive ability let me know what gets you started in a new army or maybe what is enough to distract you from your current project let me know entmootpodcast at gmail.com thanks for listening Boorum.